Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You. And today I want to ask a question because we just celebrated Martin Luther King Day on January 15th, just a few days ago. And the question is, what would Dr. King say about the war in Gaza? And the answer is, it depends on the context. And we've all heard that phrase uh, the last month or so. It depends on the context. So early this week, as the world honored the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., some, unfortunately, used the moment to dishonor Israel by declaring that Dr. King, if he were living today, would be sympathetic to the cause of Hamas. And on Martin Luther King Day in the Seattle Times, managing editor Naomi Ish Isaka, in a piece entitled, This MLK Day, I Have to Speak Out on Gaza. And here's what she wrote. Often I think of this famous Martin Luther King Jr. quote and ask myself if I'm living up to this standard. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Those are the words of Dr. King. Not since the racial reckoning of 2020, says the author, have I seen a greater test of this question in the United States than the ongoing war in Gaza. Any honest accounting of the war that followed the October 7th attack of Hamas on Israel cannot start the clock on October 7th. In other words, what she's saying is, uh, this is a long history of Israeli um, persecution of the Palestinian people, and she's basically saying that it's because of Israeli persecution of the Palestinians that gave the right of Hamas to massacre 1,200 Israelis. In the article, Isha Saka holds Israel responsible for the hostilities of Hamas and celebrates the ICC, which is the International Criminal Court. You've all read about that in the last couple of weeks that, that met in South Africa, invited by the South African government, uh, in a trial against uh, the Jewish state. And so they formally charged Israel with genocide, all the while cloaking uh, Jews as the villains. And so this author of this article, she's cloaking Jews as the villains in the imaginary mind of King, were he alive today. And of course, if you uh, study what happened in South Africa in the last few weeks in bringing this charge of genocide by the International Criminal Court against the Jewish state, uh, this criminal court is highly influenced by radical Islam. And so, of course, they're going to charge Israel with genocide. Another author, Michael McBride, he's the pastor of the Way Christian Center in West Berkeley, California, in a Martin Luther King Day article in the Responsible Statecraft magazine, he wrote this. 
As we celebrate the life and legacy of Reverend Martin Luther King today, we cross the 100-day mark in the devastating war in Gaza. If Dr. King were alive today, I feel certain, and I want to add here, how, how can anyone feel certain what someone was thinking 60 years ago and how they would be thinking today? But he says, I feel certain he would have joined marches this weekend and used his voice and his pulpit to press the United States government to do everything in its power to persuade or pressure the government of Israel, which it is backed politically, diplomatically, militarily, and financially to agree to a ceasefire in its war on Gaza. And so what this author, Michael McBride, Pastor McBride, is saying is, that I feel certain, I'm totally convinced, I know what Dr. King would do today, I know what he would be thinking today, he would call for an immediate ceasefire. And he goes on to say in his article, as Reverend King reminded us in this letter from a Birmingham jail, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. As people of moral conscience, and as citizens of the United States, black Christian leaders and so many other moral voices will continue to do all that is within our power to end U.S. support for the indiscriminate war in Gaza. Unfortunately, Pastor McBride draws from the moral clarity of Dr. King to demonize and delegitimize the Jewish people. And my question is, how do you say that this is an indiscriminate war? In other words, that uh, the Jewish uh, IDF, the military of, of the Israelis, they're indiscriminately just shooting civilians. That's just not true. The, the most moral uh, army in the world is the IDF. And they have, like no other army in the world, <clears throat> they have uh, morality police uh, within the army, uh, lawyers that are moral thinkers that make decisions whether they can shoot or or not and so this is not an indiscriminate war they're they're precisely aiming at terrorists the problem is hamas hides behind civilians and that's the tragedy of this war in gaza that many civilians are losing their lives innocent palestinian civilians because these monsters the terrorist hamas are using them as human shields. And so Pastor McBride, he draws from the moral clarity of Dr. King to demonize and delegitimize the Jewish people, and he as well, uh, as well as these other pastors that he's talking about, they celebrate uh, the International Criminal Court's decision in South Africa to uh, call Israel uh, a genocidal army, and um, they charge them with genocide. So leading up to Martin Luther King Day, Garrison Hayes wrote a piece for Mother Jones entitled, We Don't Have to Guess What Martin Luther King Thought About the Israeli-Palestinian Conflict. And my question to him is, well, how would you know for certain what anybody would be thinking 60 years after they passed away? His proof, and I, I, I put that in, in um, quotation marks, is proof that King, if alive today, would demand that Israel immediately call for a ceasefire and withdraw from Gaza, allowing Hamas to retain power 
is found in King's response to the Six-Day War in a June 18, 1967 interview on ABC's Sunday Issues and Answers, where King stated, I think for the ultimate peace, and, and again, this is uh, after the Six-Day War in Israel, where uh, they are surrounded again by their enemies trying to destroy them. And King says, I think for the ultimate peace and security of the situation, it will probably be necessary for Israel to give up this conquered territory because to hold on to it will only exacerbate the tensions and deepen the bitterness of the Arabs. Hayes fails to mention, and this is a huge fail, Hayes fails to mention that the full transcript of the ABC interview stored in the digital archives of the King Center, and I, I looked up the, the full transcript, and it includes comments by Dr. King in the ABC interview that did not make it onto the edited program in which King states, and, and again, Hayes leaves this out, um, strangely leaves this out, and here's what King says. Peace for Israel means security. The world and all people of goodwill must respect the territorial integrity of Israel. We must see Israel's right to exist and always go out of the way to protect that right to exist. We must also see that Israel is there and any talk of dividing the Jews into the driving the Jews into the Mediterranean as we have heard over the last few weeks or the last several years, is not only unrealistic talk, but it is suicidal talk for the whole world. And I think also it is terribly immoral. We must see that Israel has done for the world. It is a marvelous demonstration of uh, what people can do together in unity and with determination, rugged determination can do in transforming almost a desert into an oasis. So when you read the further statements of uh, Dr. King that are in the archives at the King Center, you realize this man was an absolute Zionist. He loved the state of Israel, and let's remember that on the Selma to Montgomery March, it was the great rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel that marched arm in arm with King, uh, standing for the civil rights of African Americans across America. And it was not only uh, Rabbi Joshua Heschel that marched, but there were many other rabbis in the crowd that day that marched from Selma to Montgomery. And so the Jewish leaders during the civil rights movement, movement, they stood arm in arm. They marched with King for civil rights. And so these folks that I'm quoting today said, well, today, if Martin Luther King were alive, he'd be marching against the Jewish people. And based on his statements uh, over the years and his um, relationship with the Jewish community in America, uh, and all of his statements proclaiming his hopes and dreams for the Zionist state of Israel would mean to me that the man was an absolute Zionist. So people today who use Dr. King's statements about social justice to condemn Israel's war with Hamas fail to recognize, in the words of the three university professors who a few weeks ago refused to admit before Congress 
that calling for the genocide of Jews is not hate speech. In their words, they use the word context, and it depends on the context. So in, in this regard, it does depend on the context. Somehow, the people that are using Dr. King's statements about social justice today to condemn Israel, they forget about what has occurred in the world in the last six decades since King's death. They conveniently have forgotten about the 1972 Munich Olympic Village attack by Palestinian terrorists that left 11 Israeli athletes dead. They've forgotten about the rise of radical Islamism within Iran and her proxies. They have forgotten about the radical Islamic terror attack on U.S. soil on September 11, 2001. They've forgotten about the intifada that left thousands of innocent Israelis dead and wounded, blown to bits by Palestinian suicide bombers. And I can attest to those atrocities. I, I traveled to Israel probably six times during uh, the first and second intifada that was uh, from the late uh, 1990s to around 2004, 2005. And there were thousands of Israelis that were murdered. 2,500 Israelis were uh, wounded. And to be wounded in Israel means that if, if you just you know, have a scratch or you have some shrapnel, you really don't, uh, you're really not called a wounded victim. It's when you lose body parts. So these 2,500 people, they lost eyes, they lost sight, they lost arms, they lost limbs, and they survived through that. And I, I witnessed uh, th these atrocities. I was there working with Zaka Israel, which is an organization that uh, during the Intifada, and by the way, during this uh, October 7th attack, it was also Zaka Israel volunteers that came into the um, areas where Hamas had attacked. And uh, th these are orthodox, godly people that uh, went about to uh, put pieces of the bodies back together so that a Jewish person could have a proper burial. There were 900 Zaka volunteers during the Intifada. And uh, a friend of mine was the photographer. And he would go into these uh, areas where suicide Palestinian bombers had blown themselves to bits and all the Jews in restaurants and buses. And they would take pictures of, of, of the scene and then over the next 24 hours, it was almost like a, a forensic crime scene where Zaka volunteers would match, and this is gross, but they would match body parts, you know, fingers, toes, uh, torsos to heads. It was, and I saw these, these atrocities. It was terrible what Palestinian suicide bombers were doing to the Jewish people. And so they've forgotten about all that. They've forgotten about the brutality of Hamas, whose founding charter calls for uh, the genocide of Jews, not only in Israel, but globally. They've forgotten about the tens of thousands of rockets Hamas has fired into Israel since Israel gave the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians in exchange for peace in 2005. And I've been to Sarot, which is in southern Israel, the police station that was uh, attacked by Hamas on October 7th. I was there several years ago, 
and the police chief took me to a warehouse uh, near the police station and opened up the doors and there at that time were thousands of rockets. They had dates and times of when they had fallen into southern Israel um, and I stood there in the border and looked across just a few hundred yards from the, the fence that separated Israel from the Gaza Strip, a, a land that Israel had given to the Palestinians in order to have peace. But within just a few uh, short years after 2005, Hamas gained power in Gaza and used the land to build tunnels and rocket launchers to murder innocent Israeli civilians. But somehow these people that are on this moral crusade today using King's words to demonize Israel, they've forgotten about all those rockets. And in the face of these atrocities against Jews, the voices of leaders now self-righteously claiming to carry King's mantle of moral justice were suspiciously silent. Any intellectually honest inquiry into the mind of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. should at the very least consider the context of the last 60 years of terror attacks against innocent Israeli men, women, and children attempting to hold on to their right of existence, a right Dr. King unequivocally endorsed. Dr. King prophetically, I think, said in the June 1967 ABC interview that I just talked about, he said this, any talk of driving the Jews into the Mediterranean is not only unrealistic talk, but it is suicidal talk for the whole world, and I think also it is terribly immoral. Imagining what this great moral leader, Dr. Martin Luther King, would think today about the war in Gaza must begin with this statement that he made back in 1967 that it's immoral to talk of driving Jews into the Mediterranean Sea. And as anti-Semites the world over support the genocidal ambitions of Hamas by proclaiming from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, they disrespect the territorial integrity of Israel, an action Dr. King proclaimed to be terribly immoral. Without a full reckoning of history, those who believe they know what King would think about the measures Israel must employ for its own existence, its own survival, in its ongoing war with malevolent, radical Islamism, have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. In the last 60 years, Israel has faced one existential threat after another. And overlooking this, either naively or purposely, is unconscionable. In this case, it really does depend on the context. And so we cannot today say what anyone would be thinking if they passed away 60 years ago. We can't say what Dr. King would think about this issue going on right now, the war in Gaza. But what I can say from all of his uh, speeches, from all of his writings, the man was absolutely a Zionist. He cared about the existence of the Jewish people. He wanted to protect their territorial integrity and protect their land. Uh, he marched alongside of Jewish rabbis as they stood with him in fighting the immorality 
of uh, segregation in the United States and the in- immorality of racism in the United States, they, they marched with Dr. King in solidarity. And I believe personally that today if he were alive, I don't know what he would say, but I believe personally he would stand with the Jewish people and he would stand against the immoral atrocities of Hamas. I do not believe he would be supporting Hamas, as these uh, many of these leaders are saying today. I do not believe he would be supporting the atrocities of Hamas. I believe he would look at the last 60 years in context of the long history of Israel fighting against terror, and he would have his own opinion and I don't want to put words in the man's mouth. But today, I do celebrate Martin Luther King during this week. It's, uh, he was a, an amazing man, uh, a godly character, stood for moral justice. And I celebrate him with, with the rest of the world and all he did for humanity. And I thank God for the Jewish rabbis that he was in deep relationship with, who himself said, Uh, He wanted to protect the integrity of the Jewish state. So there you have it uh, on Israel and you, and uh, we'll see you next time. God bless.